Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Friday, April 17th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am fortunate enough to be joined today by our N, N and I want to say NBA, dude, it's just natural, but our MLB baseball pro and one of the better DFS baseball guys I know, that's Mr. Andy Gallagher. How are you today, Andy? Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you having me on again, and we can do uh, some of this semi-regular basis, preview some of these teams. It's really fun to do so as we really just dive in as deep as we can with the time that we have here. It is. I mean, it looks like we do have some time. We were just talking about it before the show, and it's looking like we still have a little while before the, the real baseball gets thrown around out there, but... You know, we're going to be prepared regardless. That's the bottom line. Yes, sir. So, yeah, no doubt. And it is it is going to be uh, – it's funny because even in the intro, I'm so – we did basketball, basketball, basketball for so long. I still got to get my brain wrapped around transitioning to baseball and then before you know it, into football. So, you know, we're, we're doing the three sports here at DFS Coach Talk and – focusing you know we have a group of professionals that focus on those three sports and as Andy and our the rest of our pros know you know we discussed this uh it was really the night after Gobert didn't play and the NBA shut down we said hey we're we're gonna go seven podcasts a week and we're not gonna waste time with the silly stuff we are gonna prepare so that when sports do come back, there's not going to be a, a better DFS provider and the, the people that listen to the podcast and the members uh, that are prepared for DFS, basketball, baseball, and football than our group. So we're very proud of that. We're sticking to it. If it's another 15 days or 30 or 60 or 90, uh, like I heard some crazy guy on TV saying that he thinks we should do social distancing to 2022, Andy. 2022! No, I don't think that's necessary. We can get things <laughs> rolling before then. What's uh, interesting, too, is I heard them talking about on Sirius XM Radio about the um, new G League plans and all that. Yeah. So maybe it's a whole shift in people's or these kids' mindsets, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-olds. Instead of going that route with the college, maybe we see a shift in all sports, really, maybe even being paid and looking at um, these developmental type leagues more often. Well, I, I think it's a long time in, in the coming, really. I mean, I don't know. if Did you have a chance to watch? Uh, there was a special about the, the whole controversy about college basketball coaches that uh, the uh, Rick Pitino was fired over. Uh, the gentleman's name was Andre, Andre or no, his, I can't remember his first name. Dawkins was his last name. And he was like a player agent slash runner or whatever you want to call it. And it chronicled his contact with uh, Coach Miller at Arizona and then the coach at LSU and then Patino at Louisville. Have you seen that yet? I had not. Uh, you got to look that up, man. It is amazing. And it really shows you the underbelly of how much cheating goes on. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, these they, they had tape-recorded calls 
with all those guys, Miller, Patino, all of them. And they were talking about offering DeAndre Ayton 150000 and a house and a car and somebody was going to bid against them. And it was just, it was ludicrous that this stuff goes on. And, you know, it's just as ludicrous on the other side of the coin that somebody like a Zion Williamson, you know, his face and name in college basketball and for Duke made hundreds of millions of dollars for the NCAA, of which he doesn't get a penny. And that doesn't make sense either. They're both sides of it are just ludicrous. So, as you mentioned, this discussion about now that uh, these young kids don't have to do the one and done where everybody cheats and pays under the table anyway, and they get to go straight and sign with the developmental league and be assigned to these G League squads. And, and it's, it makes a lot more sense because let's face it, Andy, how many of those kids are really going to finish four years and get a scholarship and go that route? I mean, let's be real here. I mean, it's that's not what they're there for. They're there to try to get uh, an NBA degree. And now for all the kids that aren't going to have pro aspirations, they still, that's perfect. They'll get scholarships. They won't be paid under the table. They'll play for the school. I think it's going to be better all the way around. And hopefully, just as you said, I hope that leaks into the other sports as well. It could, yeah. Uh, maybe that's the direction things will go. I hope so, man. You know, we'll have uh, very soon, uh, as soon as basketball actually gets back, a good friend of mine is the president of the Texas Legends, the G League team for the Dallas Mavericks that plays here in Frisco in the DFW Metroplex. And he's going to come on a podcast and talk about uh, the Texas Legends and, you know, the G League and everything that's going on there. So to get that firsthand information for our listeners and members is going to be really cool because he'll have a lot, I'm sure, to say about this new announcement and, and the direction everything's going. But unfortunately, he can't. They have a, even the G League coaches and, and front office, they're not allowed to do any interviews that have to do with the sport itself uh, until the lockout's over. Isn't that crazy? And if you notice, you mm -hmm. only see guys on there talking about you know, how they're doing or encouraging people or doing the 2K thing, but you don't see any coaches or, you know, upper management of any teams dis discussing anything because they have a gag order. They're not allowed to. So they're very interesting. Yeah. yeah it's, it's going to be like in a vacuum of just, I guess, talking about the old days and the old uh, championship teams, such as the bulls in the nineties are going to come out with that show here. It's yeah, in just a few days and things Sunday. like that. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, people focus on NFL draft too. So there's yeah. a few things, I guess, uh, to keep people busy. I mean, everybody's grasping for straws of anything <laughs> that, to get some interest. But uh, I know we've been having a blast with our members in Discord with the the DFS Coach Talk uh, Challenge Two. Uh, one of our members, S. Caldwell, uh, he he. Uh, Definitely uh, has our badge of, of DFS Coach Talk on uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, but he rocks the Detroit uh, Lions, which takes a lot of courage to rock their badge anyway. Yeah. But he backs it up, man. He won uh, number six contest today, 
And tomorrow he can knock us out. It takes seven victories to win it. So shout out to Mr. S. Caldwell for uh, I think it's Chuck Chucky Davy or something. Chucky Dave on the that he uses uh, on the uh, Fanduel. But man, he's a stud when it comes to the simulation games. It's crazy. He is. Good job by him. He's ridiculous. So we'll see. Hopefully we can. Uh, Skate by. I think you and I are just barely chirping in there with a victory apiece, which isn't much to, to toot our horns about, but better than zero, like some of the guys, you know, like Leighton and, uh, and you know, uh, who else? Can we name names? No, I won't. I'm sorry, Leighton, man. I mean, three under the bus. <laughs> I love it. But uh, no, it's it's a lot of fun. It's The simulation games are enough to drive you to drink, though, because they don't make a whole lot of sense, but... You know, we're we're passing the time just having fun with it. But, you know, the, the good thing is, though, Andy, we're not spending silly time with that and League of Legends and all that on these shows. We are talking some real sports. So without any further ado, I guess we ought to get in to the Pirates and the Reds today. Uh, remember that you uh, can catch us on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. Uh, you can catch me or any questions or anything from the show or or you want us to bring on a, a, a future podcast. You can catch me on Twitter at Joe Sarvati. That's J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. And Andy, where can they catch you? Drew J. Gallagher, D-R-E-W-J-G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R. Esquire. I think you're an attorney. Drew J. Gallagher. That could the attorney, be attorneys at law. If Some you've been in a truck accident, call Drew J. Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. There that you go. Be, uh, yeah. Good to have. You know, our one and only Andrew Hansen is an attorney. So there you go. You could have Andrew really? and Andy attorneys. Yes. Oh, yes. well, that will work fine as How part, part of the Hansen brothers. That's right. And we'll, we'll play. I We were going to play the. The walk-up music for whoever had the show, and we were all picking songs, and we got outvoted, Andy. They wanted to have center field as a playing and play-out music, and here I was all fired yeah. up for our own teams. Can you believe yeah. that? I can't believe that either, man. So I guess, babies. I guess they just want to keep it all uniformed. I guess. What a bunch of snoozers, man. I was going to get a little earth, wind, and fire in there. We were going to light it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we sure were. We were uh, looking forward to something like uh, to really take the uh, podcast world by storm, but it didn't work That's out. Right. Man. No, we'll stick with little Fogarty center field. I guess you can't go wrong. But uh, all right, man, dive in. You can go. You are first with the the uh, Red Stockings, also known as the Cincinnati yeah. Reds, and I, I want you to know that. I grew up in the 70s with the red, the big red machine. So they were a, the best team really going at the time. We're talking the big boys, Joe Morgan and uh, uh, Bozo Concepcion and Short, Pete Rose. They had all the big dudes uh, in Cincinnati back then. They were good. Uh, Who was the big home run hitter uh, in the outfield? Why is his name uh I can't believe I can't think of his name. The famous Reds. There's so many. They were all so good. Johnny Bench, the catcher, 
I mean, come on, man. They were awesome. But what about the new Fangled Reds of 2020? What are they looking like? Yeah, well. I hate to interrupt. Team, George Foster. It just came to me. Sorry. Ah, senior okay. Moment. George okay. Foster. <laughs> big, big home run hitter. So George sorry Foster. about that. All right. Yeah, great. Go for it. So the Reds have not experienced the playoffs. Um, come to mention that, you know, um, since they actually lost to the Pirates, the Buccos, in the wild card of the uh, 2013. Wow. So, uh, yeah, despite that, you know, new manager David Bell, he's experiencing um, having a better lineup than last year, improving. Uh, I mean, the previous two years prior to that. So that would be 17 and 18 years. Um, you know, they proved their win total to 75 for a decent um, 29-19 campaign. Um, so their their young, homegrown talent is developing into um, – some, you know, some skillful players and bringing over a free agent now, such as uh, Mike Moustakas and yeah. um, get into him and uh, Nick Castellanos. They bring more of a playoff. That's a great approach. signing, Castellanos, for sure. Definitely. I love that signing. Yeah. So, you know, um, they're bringing a lot more, lot more leadership to the team, um, even though this team had poor patience at the plate last year. We're going to see um, some turnaround, some big improvement. Uh, whenever these guys get back in the actual field, wherever that is and whatever stadium and all that, we expect to see without the fans or whatever it is. But um, no, it's so, so weird, man. Trying to figure out this stuff is hard. And, you know, with the Reds, for example, that's an easy team to say, all right, let's let's rile up and, and take a bunch of their offensive guys in a lot of games because yeah. it's such a bandbox there in Cincinnati for homers. But who knows? We <laughs> They're probably not going to get to play at that stadium. So we're really uh, having to just sort of guesstimate some of that stuff at this point. That's right. And um, to mention too, the Reds and the Pirates, they've been big rivals. Oh yeah. I don't know how many years back to be honest with you, but last year, they oh my a, gosh, one game, their fights on the field and guys really mm-hmm. intense. And, you know, it's just another thing of moments that maybe, you know, we miss right now. Sports is, you know, those yeah. kind of things is, you know, not necessarily we want those things to happen, but it's part of the intensity of the, the competition of um, the game itself. So these two teams uh, have at it. <laughs> they've ha- have they've at hated it. each other since the early 70s. And I can tell you that because uh, I followed it very closely since then. My best friend in high school and we were in high school in the mid 70s, late 70s, actually late 70s. But he was a Reds fan. So we used to play the. APA baseball and Stratomatic, and then we have our own dice game. We'd have all the baseball cards, and wow. so you know we. But back then, those two teams had a lot of lot of scrapes uh, between them. Just did not get along, and that rivalry's held on for 30, 40 years. Even though both teams have sort of stunk, you know, most of the time for the last decade, but. Uh, they still battle it out on the field. So there's it's it's funny that we're getting to do those two teams together when, uh, yeah, those they have a long history of not liking each other. And, well, it was last year. Who was it that he got traded, right? The Reds. Was it Puig that was going to kill somebody yeah. from the Pirates? Exactly. It was, he was the yeah. guy that was – I don't know if he was necessarily the one that, like, dived into the just, – just, just about dived into the dugout – and then no, yeah. I, in this other game, I just I just had put it on today. In fact, I was reviewing some film, and then the manager came up and started arguing with the umpire because Puig was the guy 
who they called just it was called it a strike or something like that, called yeah. him out and and then the manager went crazy. And I huh. think after that, it got the whole team riled up. And, and then I don't remember who the guy was, but that, yeah, just ran into the to the dugout after that. And just what a big mess. Everyone was diving in right at the dugout. Uh, it was crazy. I, I remember yeah. that. And the funniest part about it that made it, you know, I wasn't surprised that Reds and Pirates were scrape, scraping at it. But Puig was in the middle of it and he had been traded during the game. That's what made it funny. So he wasn't even going to be part of that team. Uh, but he was still getting in a scrap before he left. It's pretty, pretty, yeah. rock, pretty much of a riot. Yeah. So he's gone. We no longer yeah. have him. So we have uh, likely here. This is part of the fun too, really, of getting into this as we dive into different things with these these lineups. Is trying to figure out and foresee, project, whatever you want to call it, how these lineups are going to line up and stack up. So it makes it so much more fun, even in in DFS, in my opinion, just because we don't know. Um, what exactly we're going to see. We're just kind of trying to project out, you know, what's fun for us in DFS, right? So Right, um, right. So looking at the first uh, guy in the lineup, batting order-wise, um, leading off would be Nick Senzel. He's a righty. Um, let's see. He did take – Yeah, he, he took um, – even though he's a righty, he took 95 at-bats as a lefty overall. Um, hmm. What he did, though, was interesting is that um, as a lefty, he had impressive stats with up to 900 OPS, slugged 526. Wow. So expect him to be an everyday player moving forward. Yeah, he had. Um, so he swi- was it last year the first time he switch hit or is that was has he been a switch hitter? I, I didn't realize that about him. Yeah, he was a rookie and he's known as a righty. But then I and looked then it up. He decided and, to do it, huh? Wow. Yeah, he got 95 at bats out of maybe, you know, over 300 at bats total. But yeah, he he was very effective on the left side. And I expect hmm. them to do more of that. Um, yeah. Not in the particular game that I watched, he didn't. But he's capable of doing it. He put up numbers. So maybe... We'll see that. And he uh, also stole 14 bases, um, six of mm-hmm. which surprisingly um, was versus a lefty, a uh, lefty pitcher. Um, let's see. Um, he was a number two pick in his 16 draft. Um, mm. the, the main thing is he projects for speed. He also had uh, you know upside with power, especially in the minors. Um, has not shown a whole lot of the overall in the majors when you include the righty stats and all that. But um, Senzel, he came back from um, – had an injury, but that's all clearing up. It's going to gonna be totally fine, 100%, for whenever the season might roll around. That's one advantage, you know, for the guys that were hurt, uh, that they got this extra time to heal, I guess, if you're looking for some kind of positive. <laughs> yeah. And then second in order, we got the older guy, Joey, Joey Votto. Oh, yeah. He had a down year at 37. Well, he'll, he'll be 37 probably by the end of the year of – by the time the season might end, he did maintain himself versus righties, though, still bringing in a 361 on base percentage. His plate discipline is holding up as no changes there, really. But his power seems to have been long lost, um, backed up yeah. simply by the drop in homers the last two years. So we're not going to say, see, I doubt, you know, the same old Votto. It's going to be pretty much what we're going to get, a guy that can hopefully get on base and produce some runs. So then yep. third in the order, we got Eugenio Suarez. He's a righty. Um, he was second in the majors in the home runs last year. Nope. I bet you a lot of people would lose that bet. 
trying to figure out who that one. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a quiet second in league and homers. That's for sure. Yeah. So really good swing and puts up um, nice barrel rakes. It can get some really good um, effective swings in there. Um, not providing steel upside, but uh, I think he'll just continue to do what he does. I mean, we probably won't see that many home runs, but um, so let's yeah. uh, keep Eugenio Suarez going there. And then fourth in the order, probably I like to see, uh, Mike Mustakas in there. Yeah. Uh, he's a lefty. He's still only 31 years old, so relatively young. Um, providing that championship mentality as Moose provides very consistent yeah. batting numbers in power. ISO is always over 200, but no stealing base upside. Um, wow. Career home run. Had a career actually homers in homers last year at 35. So. Hmm. You should just continue to be plugging along and, and probably a good cash DFS uh, guy, right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, especially if he gets to play in that ballpark. I mean, that's the key. Uh, he could yeah. definitely knock a lot of them out of that park. I mean, I've I've saw, seen a few games there, and it is really a short fence and the ball flies. So, I don't – you know, people always want to race immediately to – Colorado or, or, you know, Fenway, but I'll tell you the Reds, their ballpark gives up a lot of homers. So I think it's a great, great thing for Moustakis, you know, for sure. And, and, you know, the new some of the new guys they've had in their lineup, Castellanos as well. I mean, if they do get to play in that stadium, I think it's going to have an impact on their DFS numbers. Yeah. The good old American. Well, it's not too old. Um, American small park. Yeah, exactly. So he actually did a, had a two home runner game, I suppose, in, in um, Cactus lead play. So oh. he's had a good uh, start there to the spring training. That's nice as well. Very so nice. Then, then we've got our other guy that probably batting fifth, Nick Castellanos. Yeah. He led the league in doubles, I believe, last year. Um, his X numbers have been very good the last few years. Does not provide steals, but – consistently provides well-struck balls and a very oh, yeah. cash play option also as well. Um, sluggies, slugging should always be well over 500 and batting average around 290. Yeah, he's tough, man. I, I'm telling you, I had a couple of my best lineups of the year last year in baseball. He was in, in them. He, he was a great uh, DFS guy. If you got him on the right day, he could just light it up. Yep. And he came back from had a little, I guess, injury then, but he came back during the spring training and did fine in the uh, spring lineups. Um, probably didn't get a whole lot out bat, at bats, but he's fine as well. And then looking on here, um, this is what I love about looking at into these guys at probably the number six hole. Aristides Aquino, he's a yeah. righty, and he plays. He's got some in- pop, man. Yeah, you know what that's about. Like, um, you know, when I look into these advanced numbers, I like to look in this case here, the minor league numbers, if needed to film. And he tied the MLB record with seven or was it eight home runs in his first 10 games? Um, His minor league numbers also kind of back up to show nice power and speed potential, even though he's already 25. But but, um, so even though his strikeouts, unfortunately caught up with him uh yeah. shortly after those 10 games he's a huge upside multi rbi beast 
home run yeah. hitter who should also provide steals in addition, especially if he can get on base more and get better. He's been, you know, um, around as a 25-year-old, like I mentioned, a late bloomer, but um, he's going to provide some more excitement in this lineup. No doubt. I mean, he's got tape measure pop for sure. Some of the homers he hit were just moonshots. Uh, you know, the thing is, with that kind of power, like most guys, you know, he falls into that Joey Gallo kind of thing where you're going to get a bunch of strikeouts as well. So I think you're right, though. I think if he just shortens the swing just a little, I mean, he's much more dangerous on base than most power hitters because he does have a lot of athleticism and speed. But I don't know, man, you know. Chicks love the long ball, as they say. And I think, you know, when you see that kind of power success, you know, those guys usually don't shorten up the swing at all. They're they're going for the downs. Yeah. And, you know, with Aquino, he he really needs to work on a swing like a Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo has um, a thing set up at home to swing and practice. And he's also on the MLB the show playing. Yeah. So, like, he's he's his mentally <laughs> in the game. I don't know how much it actually simulates the real thing but Aquino yeah. needs that he actually went 0 for 14 in spring training so if he Ooh. can get yeah so um you know hopefully but you never know yeah so then it's, it is a hit or miss with the power hitters always yeah so crazy upside but um so then we got number seven probably Freddie Galvis um Galvis is too inconsistent and streaky even though he had a career year in home runs last year because uh, his Woba is almost worse than league. So yeah. not much steals either. So we're not too excited yeah. about him, right? No, not. I mean, he's a great locker room guy and I like Freddie Galvis a lot. I mean, he, if you see interviews with him, terrific guy, but not a guy I'd circle for my DFS lineup. That's nah. for sure. So we'll take a pass there on most nights. Yeah. And then, more interesting guy again this would be probably the number eight hole but he, he can also move up into the number two i've seen him do that throughout the year and i remember playing him in dfs sometimes the lefty jesse winker um, yeah the uh, the caveat is winker's only good versus righties so far he can move yeah. up uh like i said in the order but um these new arrivals won't be uh, much you know as far as he won't move up in that order very much because of these new arrivals like Mustakas and Castellanos now so um right. there's no steel upside either with Winker um no. his his uh he hits the ball hard though and fast um yeah. versus the fastball versus the, the yeah the fastball that is you know his slugging is well over 500 when he does play righties this is all focused on going against righties this is nothing about you know yep. playing the same handedness uh pitcher but um, you know, for the platoon, though, the batting average um, against uh, righties is 280, showing maturity at the plate after three years of playing now. So Winker can do it as long as he's got the right matchup. Yeah, you know, the problem with him, though, he was owned quite a bit towards the end of last year because he's real cheap and he can pop that quick 14-point homer for you. But the problem was this. He always gets pinch hit for because he can't hit against righties. That's so if you have thing. a lefty in, he's in exactly. great shape. But he gets a couple of at-bats, they go to the bullpen, and he's yanked. So it's I hate that in DFS when you have a guy that only gets a couple at-bats. That kills you. Glad you brought that out, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other guys, uh, looking at a, a catcher uh, share with uh, Tucker Barnhart and 
Cassidy, um, yeah. yeah, Cassidy and Barnhart. Those guys are not going to do anything. Um, they did yeah. provide 10 and 11 home runs last year, respectively, but their defensive stoppers, um, both are, are bad in overall batting stats. So we're not looking at the catchers there. Um, Isn't it amazing how bad catchers are in the league hitting wise oh, anymore? You yeah. know, it did not used to be like that back, in, you know, in the days, like I say, in the 70s and even into the 80s, you had superstar catchers, you know, started out with the Johnny Benches and then the Gary Carters and I mean, you know, Pudge and I mean, just every group of players, they had some really good hitters, but Man, you can't. You can go up and down these major league rosters, and you're lucky you get a guy hitting 200. Yeah, you're just looking for a guy who really just has a bit of enough of, of a pop to save yourself enough salary to get up to the next guy. I guess so. It's so, crazy. But um, yeah. there's a few interesting bench guys. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but um, uh, Kyle Farmer in the infield. I've seen him um, have a home run game here or there when he comes off the bench and gets in the lineup, maybe. Guys like Van Meter, uh, in his 228 at-bats, he did hit eight homers with a 735 OPS. So that's not bad for a bench spot. Um, especially even Scott Schebler here. He had a 30-home run season in 2017, but a low batting yeah. average. Perhaps that's yeah. why he's benched. And finally, Philip Irvin, he has a, he's a speed demon. Maybe yeah. like one of the old Billy Hamilton-type guys that he can get in there and try to run. He stinks. <laughs> I, I, I tried rostering him a few times. He's he's a goose egg waiting to happen, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. So it is we, it I is, can move man. on uh, to the pitchers. Um, sure. So, yeah, starting um, first guy on the mound is uh, Luis Castillo. He's a righty. He was getting you um, six innings pitched last year, so that was good. Yeah. For your overall uh, DFS outlook, he's elite at not allowing slugging nor exit velocity, so he can allow uh, not you know too many balls up in the air either with a ground ball rate of 55%, which is very yeah. good. Um, home run rate was an issue at home early on early on in the year last year with him. He allowed quite a few home runs at home for whatever reason, but then he got um, buckled down on that and he got a lot better. Um, the second half of the year, 1.22 home runs per nine for the year. So he's improved through the few years of play that he's um, been in the major so far. High strikeout upside. I used him a lot in GPPs. I relied, um, he relies on rather on four pitches, fastball, slider, sinker, changeup. Um, the changeup is his best pitch. Maxes out usually about 96 miles per hour. Yep. And what about and, the rest of the rotation? Yeah. Then I got Sonny Gray. He'll give you about 5.5 innings. He's a righty. Um, 10.5 Ks per nine compared to 8.5 prior two years. So he got up last year. 53% ground ball rate, which is also another high um, ground ball pitcher. Very high for his career as well. And well under the one home run per nine. So just that. 0.87. He's not allowing a lot of home runs. We're not looking to attack him either with opposing stacks. So um, his best pitches are the slider and curve. He gets down in the lower 80s with those, but can throw the four seam at 94 miles an hour. Uh, his breaking ball can lock guys up, even lefties, including yep. lefties. 
So he has a really nice um, hook on those pitches. Definitely. So now I'm looking at third. I, you know, he could be better than these guys easily, but Trevor Bauer, he's a righty. He goes over six innings. That was normal, a normal basis for him when he was with the Indians. You know, he'd go seven, maybe even eight innings, get yeah. you a 10 or 11 Ks per nine, about a home run allowed per nine. Last year was really bad for him, as most people know. Um, his best quality, though, is with the fastball. It's his main thing. Um, with a high spin rate on it is a thing with his type of pitch. However, the pitch he gets – that's the pitch he gets blown up on the most. So yeah. I think that what happened was he took too many risks. So if he stays with and develops his other pitch types, such as the changeup or redevelops it back to where his changeup, where it used to be in 2018, he could move forward again instead of backwards. Or, you know, uh, as the same 2019, he could, um, to avoid that kind of stuff, you know, his slider is really good as well, but he didn't use it enough. So, only 18% of the time. Too many four-seamers um, being used by Bauer. I think that could be corrected if he, um, you know, get back, get back to improving some of those other off-speed pitches. Well, he's he's somewhat of a head case. So if he can put it to get back together, I mean, he certainly has the, the skill set. But, man, he just fell apart mentally last year as, he, you know, when he chucked that ball over the center field wall. And then yeah. Cleveland just said, screw you, we're done, man. And and he just uh, never really seemed to recover from that. But, you know, he's one of those guys that could be, you know, a boomer bust kind of guy for sure. And he can also do that in DFS on any given night. That's the, the tough part. You got to feel yeah. like a gambler a little bit when you're playing him. But he can certainly pay off. He's got the ability to. That's right. So rounding out the starting rotation – Fourth um, is Miley, uh, Wade Miley, that is. He's a lefty. He keeps the ball down. He gives you maybe five innings, making it difficult to get a quality start or a win, like on FanDuel. So I don't see him um, doing better with the Reds um, with a 1.2 to 1.4 home one per nine allowed. You could attack him, but, you know, he's probably not going to be in there too long anyway. So I'm not really excited about him. More so as a, as opposing uh, stacking against them, I am. So then number five um, to round out the probably the fifth pitcher, of course, is Anthony DiSclafani. Most yeah. effective pitch with him is the curve, uh, showing a lot of improvement over last year. Um, however, this is the number one uh, starting pitcher we can attack on this team, as he allows 1.5 home runs per nine. Yeah, his his four seamer and sinker, you know, they can get up to 95 miles per hour, but you can hit those balls uh, when you get a quality, you know. Yeah, uh, if they're flat, if you're not locating them, forget it. That's BP for those guys in the majors for sure. Yeah. So I mean, but the Reds, they are expecting him to improve their their five man rotation as he has four different pitch types that he uses. So that's a, a plus for the Reds rotation still. Very good. And with the bullpen, just to mention, closer, uh, Raciel, oh, I was trying to get his name right, Raciel, somebody, he returns as the closer. He had 34 saves last year. Yeah. And this other guy is a setup man, uh, Michael Lorenzen, the yeah. top setup man. Yeah, he can play uh, all outfield positions. 
Uh, That's so wild. There. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy they flip flop a lot in late innings. He goes and plays, you know, in the outfield, and then comes back and in pitches. He's fun to watch, but you know, in DFS, they've all but eliminated the middle middleman and relief uh, stopper. Don't really make any difference in in uh, DFS, really. That's right. Yeah, the guys that yeah. come out there, you know, um, there's a league rule change, of course, where now, um, as you know, you you can't just pull a guy uh, in the middle of an inning. So uh, that counts for more for the relievers, but it still doesn't matter in DFS. Only when I'm attacking bullpens, stacking against them. Exactly. Yeah. So um, see what else I got here. Uh, overall. Well, let me give you some hitting numbers, maybe. I forgot to give you. Do I have that here? Yeah, let, hold on a second. So with the Reds, I just want to give you some overall numbers for the batting. Batting, they're, they're ranking, like, uh, for example, batting average, ranked 24th, total bases, 23rd, slugging, 20th, on-base percentage, 22nd. So they're basically in the bottom 10 in every major stat category. But, however... They ranked 14th in home runs, so that was probably a That's lot of the ballpark. Yeah. yeah, the ballpark and, and Aquino, the performance he had and stuff like that. And then by the pitching, we had the um, quality pitching here. Um, overall in the league, ranked eighth in ERA, wow. 4.18. That's surprising. So ERA, yeah. Opponent's batting average even more impressive. Opponent's batting average ranked fourth in the majors. They didn't allow a whole lot of. Only 235 batting average allowed. That's that's a, that's a good thing to build on then. If you're a Reds fan, I mean it uh, starts absolutely. with pitching. Yeah. Building their ranked 12th, so they're decent there as well. You know, Ad Mustakis and Castellanos is going to make a big difference on this team overall. Yeah. No doubt. And they were 75 and 87, not bad at all last year. Yeah. Uh, so it's something they can grow on if depending on what kind of a season. We get this year, and, uh, and and I guess I'll just dive in right with the Pirates then, man. We'll keep this train rolling. Uh, the, the Pirates were 69-93 and 93 last year, so not a, a banner year for them. They, they have had some on-and-off teams the last decade that have you know made the playoffs and got into the wild card. But I'll tell you, it's been a long, long run of uh, rough for Pirates fans, and me being – one of them. I grew up in Western PA and uh, went to a lot of Pirates game as a, games as a kid growing up. Uh, what I did get to watch one of the uh, World Series games in '79 for all the, our older listeners out there that uh, followed uh, followed it back then. Uh, that's the We Are Family team. I don't know if you've heard of that, Andy. You remember the old Sister Sledge song, We Are Family? Oh, yeah. Yep. And they, that, that every, could have been we were out podcast. there. Yeah, that's right. We <laughs> were all out in the uh, crowd. We had whistles. That was the thing. Everybody blew whistles. I don't know why, but that's what we did. And uh, you know, I I remember very well sitting. I was just a little right of center field, and Omar Moreno was the center fielder for the Buccos back then. Uh, and he threw a ball up, and I just missed it. Almost had a World Series ball, man. Wow. Yeah, but. Three, four feet, I would have had it, but it is what it is. But, uh, no, that team was loaded, though. We're talking about, you know, Dave Parker and, you know, Phil Garner and all the the really, you know, Pop Stargell. I mean, Willie Stargell, come on now. You know, Boy. we're talking 
about some players. They had but, the funniest uh, uniforms I ever remember. Oh, they did. Kent DeColvey was the sidearm stopper. He'd come in out of the bullpen, and they wore those black and yellow striped, uh, looked like prison hats, really. But yeah. uh, man, we had some fun. They they were a really powerful team, and they were good for six, seven years in a row. They were right in it and just uh, won it all in '79, like I said. And they were a fun team. But but anyway, unfortunately, it has not been good for them. They've they've had several years of you know that whole small to mid market team thing where they can't pay the big salaries. They want to be profitable. You know, they're not owned by billionaires that can just spend whatever they want. And it's shown, you know, they've had to, they've traded away a lot of good players. Do you know they had Garrett Cole? He started his career with yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had him for nothing and gave him away for, you know, not too much. And, uh, mm. you know, when you, when you give away players, you know, like that, I mean, come on now, how are you going to, com- you know, compete each year? So, you know, I looking at the Pirates, you always look at the half glass full in the sense that they do have some guys that put up some good DFS numbers. If you hit them on the right game, uh, you know, you can you can do some uh, make some noise with their uh, with their hitters. And they have some young guys that are starting to come through as well. Um, I'll, I'll just go real quickly with who they have penciled in to start this coming season because there's a few little bit of changes, but uh, again, Jacob Stallings, they're, t- they're looking at to start a catcher or Luke Maley. Again, nobody, in, no catchers hit anymore. It's ridiculous, but this is where they have some, uh, this is where it starts getting interesting. They have big old Josh Bell at first base, 6'4", 250, and he's another guy that can hit the ball a country mile. And, uh, you know, he had some stretches last year where he slumped, but you know he's all star caliber baseball player if he can just keep it uh, keep it focused and, and keep improving because he's he's a young guy so uh, he's I still got so. a lot of future yeah what kind of worries me with him I hope he's not a, like another Jesus Aguilar because he fell so badly in the second half of the season yeah well you know the one thing about him is he's a switch hitter so that helps you know a lot of times guys can find their way back as a switch hitter. Uh, just getting into a groove or, or, you know, whatever it takes. It's, it seems like they're a little bit uh, less of long slump, prolonged slumps like that. So, you know, he is 28 years old now. So, I mean, he's in his prime. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that he uh, can take that next step and, and, and is protected in the lineup as well. Uh, but certainly a guy that is rosterable in DFS on a pretty regular basis, uh, Adam Frazier's penciled in to start at second, uh, you know, left-handed hitter that can do some damage and he's usually cheap in DFS. Uh, you know, he's 29, so he's another one that's not super young, but, uh, still is a, a decent play depending on where they've got him plugged in, uh, to the batting order. Uh, third base is a guy that, uh, is a guy that really helped me last year. Colin Moran, uh, big beard, you know, uh, 6'4", 205 guy, uh, also in his prime, 28 years old, but a lot of pop, uh, smart hitter, a lot of potential. And uh, if you if you catch him against the right right-handers where he's batting further up in the order, uh, mm-hmm. he's a great guy to, to continue to look at going forward. He's an athlete that can hit, 
uh, for power and uh, can hit to all fields. So he is he's a nice uh, nice ball player. Uh, here's a guy that's interesting. There's the starting shortstop Kevin Newman. He, uh, he came up with a bang, uh, started off really well. Uh, you know, pretty young kid, 26, 27 years old. Uh, an- another guy that has you know potential for a step forward uh, with getting more at bats this coming season. Uh, to, you know, again, he you got to watch where he's batting in the order, but he's a guy that can you know, yank one out. He can also steal a base and uh, certainly got to keep an eye on that uh, could be a cheap play at short if uh, if you're in a pinch. So somebody that, I, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on. I think he's got some potential. Uh, Outfield-wise, it looks like they're going to be going from left, center, and right with Brian Reynolds, Jared Dyson, and Gregory Polanco. And it's interesting, these three guys. You know, Brian Reynolds uh, had some games where he just hammered the ball last year. Uh, he's the youngest of all the Buckos. Um, you know, he's he's just 24 years old and has uh, he's a switch hitter. He's just a baseball kid. You can tell he's got the big dip in and he's he's one of those, you know, you could tell was was brought up playing the game. And I don't think he's really reached his potential yet. So I'm that's a guy I've got uh, a big circle around, Andy. I think, uh, mark my words, Brian Reynolds may be the breakout guy for the Pirates this season, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, his expected batting average is actually 296. Yeah, 189 that doesn't ISO. happen very often when you see somebody yeah. hit the 300 number, yep. Yeah, so if it, for those guys who like the stats and the numbers, uh, 387 BABIP or batting yeah. average of footballs and plays, not much of a base stealer, but showed no. pretty good pop last year and home runs for his rookie year. He's a good base runner, though. I mean, he's one of those smart guys for a young kid, and he can drop a bunt down on you or yank it 450 over the fence. So I love guys with that type of flexibility, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be a good so one. Jeffrey, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared Dyson. Uh, what do you think about Jared Dyson, man? That's, this is interesting. That's, yeah, I just I can't um, wrap my arms around it. Yeah, it's not as good as obviously uh, Sterling Marte. No, uh, it's a downgrade because you know yeah, uh, he time. had yeah he had 30 steals last year. Dyson did. I don't know how he did it. Uh, unfortunately, he can't get on pace with any consistency at all well, nearing the problem. bottom of the league. I mean, kills you when you put him on your lineup you know i mean i put him in there a few times last year because of that steal potentially you know you get so excited for a guy that can get a steal or two but man he has you know it's it's so hard to play a guy that struggles getting on base like that you know too bad he gotta roll with him i guess probably batting first yeah well you want to know what his birth date is huh 81584. Huh. Yeah he's, yeah. he's old. He's been around a long time. Can't believe he's still in the game. And uh, you know, I'm just not I'm not confident in him uh, in that role. So anyway, he's my downer. But on the upside of that is Gregory Polanco. Uh, Polanco's a pro. He's a professional hitter, great from the left side. 
you know, six six five, two forty, built like a brick house, uh, in the prime of his career. You know, I think he's if, if he can get into a groove and and he and uh, Josh Bell can take a step forward, that's the only chance the Pirates have really to be competitive. If those two in the middle of the lineup can take it to another level and protect mm-hmm. each other in the batting order, depending on righty lefty, uh, I think that's the key to the whole season. Because some of these other guys will start breaking through Newman's and Reynolds, all these guys. But if they need the anchor of Polanco and Bell, those are the two anchors of the entire lineup. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and really, they're just the rest of their guys. Nobody that's really DFS rosterable unless we have some injuries uh, or some young call-ups. They do have a lot of good uh, guys in double-A and single-A, not even quite triple-A yet, but they do have a lot of good draft picks, pitchers, and a couple hitters in their farm system. So generally what the Pirates do is they wait until that crop all comes up, they play really good, and then they have to get rid of like two or three of the best of them. So that's wow. that's the disheartening news of the Pirates. They just yeah. they don't keep their young guys because they can't afford to pl- uh, pay them, and it's mm. uh, it's no fun. But uh, we'll keep an eye on some of those young guys coming up. Uh, pitching is the is the interesting spot. Uh, I'm interest real interested to see what you think about the pitching of the Pirates because. For me, I think Chris Archer, who is their ace, I just I do not trust the guy at all. I I I stacked against him so many times last year, and generally, I get a lot of that too. Yeah, and I generally hit well. I mean, he threw a few decent games, but man, he's he's just a little bitty dude. He's he's about six one, one ninety, one eighty five, and he just he throws. He's one of those guys that uses so much of his body when he throws. It just looks like he's going to physically break down. You know, guys that just don't look smooth throwing the ball. And I just I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. And he's their ace, man. So that's scary. Um, yeah, he's a high upside, uh, I believe, high strikeout guy. Uh, he is. But very low floor. Uh, you know, I, I can remember vividly one time it was a short slate. And I thought, shit, man, I, I'm going to take him. I don't like him. I'm not going to, you know, da, 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 da. Well, he goes through the first four innings, mows him down, six strikeouts. Next inning comes out, bang, homer, walk, bang, homer. I mean, it's like, okay, there's three earned right off the whole thing down the chute. And he just, that's what he seems to do. He get, He can't stay away from that bad inning when he just gets ripped and, uh, yeah, I I do not try. I mean, if he was a third or fourth starter, I'd say okay, you know that's that'll work. But as your ace having to go against other teams' aces, that's not right. great. Not great. Now here's the second guy I've had some success with, uh, Joe Musgrove. He you know he was an Astros guy, came over. Uh, he, he's a sneaky guy, real tall, six six. But, you know, he's got that buggy whip motion, and statistically, I know it's up and down all over the place. But when he puts it together and he's in a groove, man, he will mow it down, and he can take down a slate for you. And he can also get rocked pretty hard, too. Very hard. Especially 
lefties, I believe. Lefties just murder him. Absolutely yeah. murder He actually does – I mean, he nibbles the corners with lefties because they beat him so bad. But if he can find a way to get through that seven innings with some good numbers like he can, and then they bring the bullpen in, uh, you know, he's salvageable. But, you know, again, he's a guy that you take a chance – of having a minus number on the board for your pitcher uh, on a given night. So not great, but if you can pick the right spot, he's okay. And then we have. Yeah. Tell me what you, tell me what you think about the three, four starters, because these guys are locked in and Mm -hmm. I'm going to bunch them the two together because they remind me of the same guy. Anyway, Trevor Mm -hmm. Williams and Mitch Keller. Okay. I want to get, let me get your feedback on these guys because I have my opinion as well. But yeah, I want to hear Williams, about um, when I when I went back and reviewed um, what I got a chance to do is view um, one of his games actually against the Reds as well for Trevor Williams. And he uh, allowed no runs in a, in a particular game. Yeah. So um, but as far as um, his overall piece of work, I mean, you could say you could make an argument that he's the best guy in the rotation, Trevor yeah. Williams. So. Um, was he the opening day starter last year? I'm thinking he might have been. I don't know. I don't know. Something to throw out there to our listeners probably know. So, um, other than that, I don't know. I didn't use him really a whole lot in DFS and I I don't, I don't really plan on using him a whole lot. Yeah. I, and, and the, and I, same thing with Keller for me. I know Keller's very young, a lot of upside potential. He was highly drafted, highly, you know, uh, sought after guy. But to me, you can throw a ring around Williams and Keller. I mean, they're guys that you just can't super trust, don't have gigantic strikeout numbers, just shaky, you know? With Keller, you definitely want to attack him with lefties as well. Uh, he yeah. can throw out, a, like you mentioned, a young guy. He can throw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball, yeah. um, high-end prospect. He'll um, give up some looks, dingers, though. Yeah, so about an earned run. Um, lower um results than uh you know versus Williams. the righties so yeah, yeah. that's how oh yeah yeah is between righties and lefties is that you expect another earned yeah. another point era to go down once he faces a left yeah and the problem is teams stack their lineup with lefties every time he pitches that's the other thing that kills him so you know yeah. those scouts know their stuff by the way and really after- a whole load of lefties at bat oh they do man. big time but after that, you know, it's it's just a, a garbage heap. I mean, I, I don't even see how you find a fifth starter in this group. I mean, Derek Holland, I mean, he's such he's just so over the hill. Chad Cole, Stephen Brault, maybe Jamison Talion. Uh, Talion, I can't even say his name. Oh, Tyone. Yeah, he's another Tyone. guy. I yeah, about, he's, yeah, he's um... 6'5", 230, can throw hard. But I just, God, these guys, mm. their pitching stinks, man. Let's face it. Their pitching stinks. No, I'm not. I'm not going there. <laughs> Use these guys. So I'm really the biggest takeaway I can have in doing the Pirates today is stack hitters against the Pirates. I I don't trust their starting rotation. I don't trust their bullpen. Uh, you know, Keon, uh, uh, Kayla, uh, Kate. I can't even say his name either. From he played at the Rangers here in Texas. Uh, I can't say his name. What's K E L A? How do you pronounce that? K O N E. K. It's not K. It's Kila. I can't even pronounce it. 
I just have a mind blank. But oh, you're talking about Keon Kayla. Okay, he's the closer. Kayla. Yeah, he's the closer, but he wasn't. He was. He was a middleman for Texas down here, you know, and he was okay. He's he's a he's crafty, but I don't know, man. I like I say, the bottom line is I don't pretend, I don't trust the starting pitchers. I don't like the middle relievers, and I I think. Uh, their closer and a couple of their setup guys, you know, Richard Rodriguez and some of these guys, Michael Feliz, the old Rangers guy that gave up the, the big uh, hit in the world series for the Rangers. That's still always going to sting, but uh, yeah, these, these guys just are not that good. So stack, stack, stack against the pirates is the big clue of the day. This is one of those, uh, Oh, I, I'm sorry. I just wanted. I had one other guy yeah. that I actually sure. played in DFS for the Pirates, but he's on the offensive end. Uh, if I say his name right, Guillermo Heredia. Um, but he oh, was oh, he was okay. with Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, he was with Tampa last year. Before that, he played with um, maybe the Astros. But he was batting first in the lineup for the Rays in ten particular games last year. Um, mostly bottom of the order for the Rays last year, but good hitter versus lefties. So when he Maybe if if they get tired of Dyson in um, especially batting first, they put yeah. uh, Heredia in Her, there. Her, Her, Heredia, yeah. Heredia, I, yeah. So Heredia. I think he yeah. played maybe for the Marlins. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I know Heredia can hit. Uh, you know, he's he he may beat out Dyson for center field. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. If they give him a chance. You know. It's possible. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's it, man. I'm I'm not digging too deep on quite the numbers yet. And and I think, you know, we'll do some follow-up shows on a lot of these uh, teams once we find out where they're, what ballpark they're going to play in. Because that has a, a big effect as well. If they're going to all play in, uh, you know, the, the minor league Arizona sites or whatever the case may be. But that's, right. that's really sort of the, the – you know, 30,000 foot look at the Pirates right now, you know, another year, you know, they're going to be scratching and clawing just to get to 500 is probably the goal. But, uh, you know, you just can't win without pitching and you can't give guys away uh, for little to nothing like they did with like Garrett Cole, for God's sakes. So, you know, it just, that doesn't pan out. I could provide, if you want to just a quick summary on the rankings, team rankings for the Pirates. Oh, they, oh, it's of course, ugly. it's ugly, but, you know, bottom of the bottom 10 in most categories, offensively, yep. um, defensively, pitching, bottom 10 in every category. The only thing interesting Ooh. here was that in batting average, and I think this is because of your guys in the mid to back of the order, like Moran, Newman, and Frazier, because right. of these kind of guys, their batting average is ranked seventh at 265 batting average. Yeah, there's, they scratch a lot of hits out decently enough but when you can't pitch and you can't defend uh that's a little tough <laughs> yeah so yeah they got their work cut out they do they do and i like i said they have a lot of good farm system guys and they're definitely going to need them because i don't see them uh making too much noise i mean they've got st louis milwaukee and the cubs in that division and then you're reds that are improving a little bit so 
where the heck yeah. are they going to go? You know, I mean, that's going to be a hard. Yeah, more than likely. Last place. Yeah. They only There's finished no 22 games, 22 games behind the Cardinals last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, even if they improve by five games, they're still going to be in last. So, yeah, we will despite... see, man. We need the We Are Family guys back is what we need. <laughs> Let's get back yeah, to the man. Phil Garner to Ed Ott and uh, all the other studs they had in that lineup that didn't get any. Yeah, and Barry yeah. Bonds, you ever heard of that guy? Of course, of course, <laughs> one of the greatest all time. <laughs> I would say. But and that was before Pittsburgh. his head got three times its size with steroids. When oh, I watched him play in oh, Pittsburgh yeah. as a youngster, he was ri- he was skinny as all get out, no muscle at all, skinny neck, skinny everything. And then you you look at him with the Giants, that you have to get a crowbar to get his helmet on with the he, that dude i mean i know he's awesome and he had a ton of homers but mm-hmm. uh, he's got to has lead the league all time in steroid use that's for sure no doubt part of that air mark mcguire and yeah. sammy, sosa. sammy sosa yeah sad oh, yeah. yeah jose canseco for god's sakes oh yeah yeah those guys were all juice beyond belief but uh you know, it, at the time, I you know, I, I never place blame. I don't judge anybody because, you know, if you're in the majors and 75% of the other guys that are all hitting homers are doing that, I mean, you're going to feel pressure to do it, do that. They didn't know at the time or at least didn't tell the players of the damage that it would do. And, uh, you know, so I, it's easy to place blame and say, hey, he's a you know, cheater, this and that. And I get that. But, you know. Place yourself in somebody's shoes at, at the time that they make those kind of decisions, and uh, it could be a different story. So it doesn't take away for the fact that even when he was a young, skinny kid for Pittsburgh initially, that dude could run down the baseball. He could throw like a, a rocket, and, and his hitting skills with power to all fields and speed on the bases. I mean, people remember that. He stole a shitload of bases for the Pirates early on in his career. Uh, he was an all-around uh, player for sure. So interesting. So hopefully they get back to the glory days there at some point. Uh, that was going to be my walk-up song too, just for the record. Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days. Glory ah. days. Three days. Yep, that would have been it. And we got robbed of that because Leighton and yeah. all those party poopers voted no ah. walk-up song. Yeah. Ah, we got to do something about that still. I don't know. Bunch of babies. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, I just kid all those guys. I love them all. But, you know, we you can catch us seven days a week everywhere podcasts can be found. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. Please take a few seconds, rate, review, subscribe, click a thumbs up. Uh, We have a monthly giveaway the first Sunday of every month for anybody that gives us five stars and writes even just a one-line review uh, on iTunes. That really helps us move up the charts. As you saw, what did you think of this, Andy? We cracked the top 100 in fantasy podcasts, fantasy uh, sports podcasts on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. That's great. We're getting the word out and spreading it like wildfire. And no sports. I mean, if we had sports, if, you know, we were growing, uh, list, you know, our listenership was growing like crazy. Uh, we've been lucky enough to maintain and add a few when everybody else 
has either shut down podcasts for the, the you know time that people are off or you know veered to other things so stick with us we thank you all for all of those thumbs up you know when you give us a uh, that on YouTube also it, it shoots us up hit the bell on YouTube or the subscribe on any of them because that lets you know you know we post some of these uh, early morning mid-afternoon sometimes the night before generally we're out around lunchtime each day but if you don't want to guess when to find us just click the alert and it'll give you a notification that our, our new pod is up each day. We never miss a day, so we're there uh, the whole time. I also want to mention real quick, too, uh, we, we, uh, our favorite charity here at DFS Coach Talk is mambaon3.org. That's M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org. And a fantastic charity for the families of the survivors from the terrible Kobe crash. So uh, keep them in mind as uh, as we go through this coronavirus time. And really, that's it. You know, we're, we've got a schedule out. You know, we would encourage you guys to join in. We've had some new members joining. And remember, when you join, your membership is frozen. We do not count a second of time on your membership until NBA and Major League Baseball or even NFL are back. As soon as one of them comes back, then we get it going again because we're providing full lineups both for fantasy draft. Uh, I'm sorry, DraftKings and FanDuel, and uh, we're we're doing those 30 minutes before either tip or the first pitch uh, or the kickoff, depending on the sport. And you know you can get all of those through our Discord. Just uh, check us out on DFSCoachTalk.com. You can sign up through there. And if you if you get a membership now, like I say, if sports isn't back for two months, you get you're in our discord, you're talking with our pros, you're getting in our contests, you're having a lot of fun. Uh, I talk a small, small bit of trash once in a while on the contests from here and there. Uh, and it, we just have a lot of fun uh, sort of making fun and doing stuff. So join in with that. And uh, then when sports get back up. Uh, then we get going for real. But uh, until then, we're going to keep putting out some really solid uh, podcasts. Uh, I know I was on almost every day during uh, basketball, so you guys probably got sick of me. But with baseball, I'm just doing one, you know, maybe one or two a week and letting our baseball studs like Andy really uh, put out some concrete information. And, uh, and Andy's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, running the baseball side of things and, and getting uh, the ball rolling in all aspects Appreciate there. That. So you bet, man. And and it's, it's it's exciting. We have a group of eight guys that dove into this three weeks before the shutdown. When we got started, uh, we had a winning rate in cash games of 75%, which I haven't seen anybody in the industry touch that. And that's all documented each day. Uh, and so, you know, we look forward to getting sports back and in the interim being a little distraction, uh, you know, either on our discord, just chit chatting and playing some contests for fun and talking sports and then providing, you know, what we think is a really good chunk of information every day for 45 minutes to an hour. Or if it's a Patri and I like an hour and a half, usually or Santino, <laughs> but we, you know, we want to go over the Stuff that you can take notes on and that you can keep in the back of your mind or things that are going to make a difference. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be one of those scenarios where 
the, the switch is going to flip and we're going to go from no sports to all kinds of sports and it's going to be overwhelming. So my best advice is to get your ducks in a row, do all of this preparation, take some notes in the different sports, sort of know where you're gauged, where you're going to focus, and then we'll continue to update all the way up until sports begin again. So that is about it, my man, unless you have anything else you want to throw in the ring. No, just it's still exciting, you know, taking it on, really, if you want to think of it as like an off season. Every sport right now is an off season. So during the off season, what do guys do? They train. They get uh, physically prepared, mentally prepared, watch film, whatever you got to do, get yourself ready. That's what we're doing here at DFS Coach Talk every day. You're absolutely right, man. And, you know, as everybody knows, I'm mainly a basketball guy. And I'll tell you right now, the reason we had such a fantastic start is because we did DFS Coach Talk. Micah Potry and I did the first podcast, and we did it all the way through the NBA Summer League. I was in Vegas. We did it all the way through the FIBA championships, all the way through the preseason into the regular season. And and it, just like Andy just said, if you don't prepare properly and do it correctly, you're not going to win long term. If you're just jumping in the day of and filling out a lineup because a couple of guys are in the late game or this guy's on your favorite team or you think this guy's decent – you're throwing your money away. And if you want to do that, more power to you. But if you want to make money in DFS long term, and, and, and believe me, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You have got to do the work for it to pay off. And that is listening to these podcasts right now, even though it's off season, like Andy said, and preparing and taking notes and looking at stats and watching some some film footage. And looking at those numbers and taking all those things into consideration so that when it comes up to the time of going live, you've got a plan. And you can start from there and then adjust and everybody else plays catch up. And once you get started, you know, in baseball, there are no days off. I don't think there's a dark day the whole stinking season. There's always baseball seven days a week, it seems like, at least close to it. And, you know, most teams will play 28 out of 30 uh, days a month. So there's no time to regroup and re-strategize. You have to do that now. And whether we're 30 or 60 days out from baseball, believe me, time goes fast. And I know we're all going stir crazy, just like I am. I'm ready to to, uh, – my dog wants in and out 100 times a day, Andy. He's driving me cuckoo. But (laughs) I love him. I love him, though. He's the best. But, uh, you know, it's it, just don't let it get to you. Don't, you know, stay positive. Know that sports will be back because it's, you know, it's a bridge that gaps our society together. And uh, it will return one way or another. And we're going to be ready to, to tackle it when it does. All right. So let's do it. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks again. And uh, tomorrow... Uh, Saturday, you guys get the dynamic duo of Santino and Micah Patria. So, you know, wake the children, set the alarm, get ready, because those two guys always put on quite a show. Not like Andy and I, of course, but they put on a show. Yeah, yeah we have to <laughs> put our uh, rotation in order here. 
Exactly, man. And right now we're middle relief for uh, – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Again, all uh, right. thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we appreciate all of you. And thank you for joining us for another episode of DFS Coach Talk. For my fellow pros in NBA, MLB, and NFL – and, of course, Andy Gallagher, who did a great job today. I am Coach. We will catch you again tomorrow as we look to prepare to crush it in DFS.